Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 202, and I'm talking about letting people into your home and in on your slob secret. So just kind of some mindset things and honestly, if psychological issues, you know, related to this frustration that a lot of us experience on an ongoing basis. Um, Okay, before I get into it though, hey, if you are anywhere near Lufkin, Texas, please come see me on Saturday. It's going to be so much fun over at Timber Creek Church, sponsored by Buchanan Realty. They're bringing me in. So anyway, it's going to be a blast, like a whole day workshop. I mean, a whole day till like 1.30, I think, but still, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Um, before we get into all that though, I wanted to, um, just thank you guys for the feedback on podcast number 201. So I interviewed my husband, if you haven't listened to it yet, and it was a blast because he's adorable and hilarious. Um, but I felt like it was a really good thing to have to do coming right off of, I think it was the podcast before, or maybe the one before that, where I had taught, answered a question about, um, getting people in your house on board. And, um, in that podcast, I won't go back into it again, but you know, I talk about the whole, the only person you can control is you, you, you also have to realize you're the one listening to a podcast by a slob, you know, other people don't care as much as you do or whatever. Um, but I felt like it was good coming from my husband because he talked to, he had the opportunity from y'all's questions to talk a lot about, um, supporting me in all of this. And, you know, as I've worked on my home and in our relationship, I am the, more naturally messy one. He's not a neat freak by any means, but he is much, much neater than me. So not a neat freak, but on a very manageable level is his neatness, neatness level. Does that make sense? Um, so I'm the one who would frustrate him more. And so you kind of get to hear him talk and explain, you know, it just about, um, his ways of supporting me. And from my perspective, so much of what was helpful was him acknowledging that I wasn't doing this stuff on purpose, that I wasn't doing it to, you know, make a point or whatever that I really was trying. It's just that I legitimately struggle in this area and him acknowledging that struggle and accepting me for that and cheering me on as I tried, um, it has been extremely helpful. So Anyway, I just felt like that was kind of a nice um, progression of podcasts to have him on there last week, and he's just funny. Um, but I also wanted to share some of the feedback that I've gotten, specifically ideas for what to do with that portrait of him and his sister. Okay, the one that's in our garage still. We have a lot of stuff from his parents' house in our garage right now. Um, it's the painting that nobody wanted. His sister doesn't want it. Her kids don't want it. My mother-in-law doesn't want it like, and they don't seem to have any kind of angst about it, but for him, it's really hard. Now you have to just a little perspective or understanding on him is that, um, like when we first got married and we moved into our first home. So I guess we've been married for over two years at that point. Um, when we lived in, a, in an apartment, when we first got married, I mean, I never saw any reason to get rid of anything because I was like, well, we're not in our final home yet. So why would I go ahead and get rid of this now? I might as well wait and see, you know, where it would go. Um, but once we were in our final home, I was trying to get rid of some stuff because I knew I had issues at that point for sure. Um, but I looked at, I was going through photos and you remember the days of all photos were doubles. Like you, first of all, you didn't, know what they were going to look like before you had them printed because it was before digital and you got free doubles most of the time, sometimes free triples. And we just all did that. You know, a lot of it was to be able to give one to grandma if we needed to, and we'd go ahead and have it, but you ended up with all these extra pictures. So anyway, I remember going through this big thing of photos and, um, getting rid of just the bad pictures, like not even anything it wasn't that the person in it was somebody I didn't think we know. I mean, it was just the bad pictures and him saying, I didn't think you could throw away pictures or something like that. So 
that's his perspective that he's coming from. And, and it's just, he's having a really hard time with it and he's about ready to get rid of it. I think us talking about it on the podcast helped with that a little bit. Um, but anyway, it's just a real issue, but it cracked me up a lot of these, um, suggestions that I got. Now, when I say cracked me up, know that you, me laughing is a total compliment. Like I love to laugh and I'm never laughing at your suggestions. Some of these are great there. I just love the creativity. Okay. So I'm not laughing at people, whatever. Okay. Um, okay. So here's one. Um, this is my very favorite, most hilarious one is, um, that I should sell it and auction it off to those of you who listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Dana's famous painting of husband with sister. So if you would like to bid on it, um, I know you haven't seen it or anything, but if you'd like to bid on it, just go ahead and send me your bid via email. I'm just kidding. Anyway, that made me laugh. Um, this one is very practical and this is absolutely probably what we're going to do. And that's get it reprinted in a smaller size so that it's more usable. Um, this one I think is a, an absolutely beautiful idea, especially for somebody who's super artistic, um, which I'm not, but you could commission an artist that you like to paint over. Um, I'm sorry. You, you could commission an artist that you like to paint over the painting with something you'll love, or as a family project, you could paint over it with colors you love and hang it in your home. That way you still have the original painting underneath. You could also rub away or scratch into the new paint so that parts of the original painting shows through. Actually, the more I read this one, the more I go, Hmm, what could I do? Anyway, I'm thinking on that one. Um, and then this one that I love, um, though I don't think it'll happen, but I just love this mentality. Um, that picture would serve as a great cover picture background style for your new book for your next book. And then it's captured forever. The picture is a great launching pad for the whole idea of, I don't know what to do with this item. Those things that we keep because we just don't know what to do with them. Not sure what the theme of your next book is, or if the picture could serve as an inside flap or back cover, but it struck me as a perfect vessel for your next book somehow. Um, so I'm not writing a book right now. I'm kind of taking a mental break, although it's being written in my head and I am opening up files and doing little chapter summaries to eventually do the proposal and all that. So I have a book happening up in the brain area, but I am giving myself permission to not write another book until next year. Um, cause I needed to not this year. Anyway, we'll see what God has in store, but, um, and what it's about, it's still developing. So anyway, um, but I do love that sentimentality and I love that you guys were thinking about it. It made me laugh. Um, something else that, uh, was referred to, and I think I asked my my husband, the question, um, and I didn't really understand how this would be a blessing. So the question was about, you know, what are some things about how Dana's brain works that yes, there are struggles in the house, but there's also like the good stuff, you know, that we talk about the project brain and the being able to tackle big things and stuff like that. Um, so the question had asked, had given T-pad as an example of something that could benefit my family. Like how has these different things benefited your family? Um, and I, I, I think in the podcast, I was like, T-pad, huh? I don't know how that would benefit. But I just wanted to say that I loved because, um, because, uh, the person who asked the question sent an example and the example was, um, I think T-pad is a blessing for my children because I can become immersed in the moment when I play with my child. I once had a friend who is super organized who told me she has to intentionally stop herself from always getting stuff done and make herself get on the ground and play with her kids. I have to intentionally get off the ground, stop playing and get house stuff done. So I think it's beautiful how we're all different. I think all those, the, both of those things are great, you know, um, we probably both wish we could be like the other person a little bit, but just, you know, I, I love, I love viewing that tea pad in that way as being a positive, positive thing, being able to get caught up in the moment. So that made me happy. So I'm going to be talking about specifically, um, letting people into your house and I'm going to read the question that was asked, but it's basically at what point do you let people in? Like, am I going to notice what needs to be noticed? It's so much, but anyway, I'll get into that in a minute. But before I do, I want to talk about our first sponsor who is Warby Parker. Warby Parker was founded with a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Okay. You can go to Warby Park, 
warbyparker.com slash clean to order your free home try-ons today. Let me explain what that is. Okay. So they sell eyeglasses. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. For every pair that you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Let's talk about that for a minute. You guys, since I have become old, yeah, I just turned 45, but somewhere between 40 and 45, probably about 42, for the first time in my life, I have had issues with being able to see well. I've always had perfect vision until this age. And, and I, it is really a bizarre feeling to look at words on a page and not be able to read them. And when I think about people who don't have glasses, like children who need them and how much that can affect just education and being able to do what you need to do. I love this passion that Warby Parker has for getting glasses to people who desperately need them. So for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. So I love that. So the home try on kit, here's how this works. Okay. We got to choose a, we got a home try on kit to choose new glasses for my husband. So we got online on their website. We answered questions about style and face shape. And we chose five pairs of glasses, which they sent us. They sent us all five pairs to try on through their free home try on program. So you get them for five days. There's no obligation to buy. They ship free and they include a prepaid return shipping label. And as I learned from personal experience, they will remind you to ship them back. Okay. As a chronic forgetter, I appreciated this just saying. And if you have an iPhone X, make sure to download Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new feature find your fit. Find your fit uses iPhone X's true depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Using these measurements, find your fit recommends approximately 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. The process is seamless and takes only a few seconds. Head to Warber, mm, warbyparker.com. I'm going to spell that for you guys. W-A-R-B-Y parker.com slash clean and place your home try on order. Then make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes app store. They built this awesome home try on companion feature, which allows you to quickly take photos, wearing all the frames, stitch them into a video and share it with friends and family to help you pick a winner. My husband and I had a lot of fun with that. Again, go to warbyparker.com slash clean and place your home try on order. Okay. Um, so here's the question that I was asked, how do you know that your house is clean enough for basic company? I'm not talking about John, your husband's boss or Mary or Joe, the pastors, but more like family, close friends, anyone you've not been able to see, not been able to have over for a while. How do you know it's time? See our house. This is the question continuing. See our house looks so much better than it did before. So we can see a difference, but it still might bother a guest no matter how gracious. I figure it needs to be able to be ready for a landlord within 24 hours, ready for overnight guests within say two weeks. But what about something in between? What's a good rule of thumb for how clean, how much time should it take? Anyway. Okay. So that's the question. And this is, this is honestly a mindset question. It's a very, very subjective question. Okay. Because as I know from hearing from you guys and your personal stories a lot, um, family, close friends, anyone you've not been able to have over for a while. I'm just saying there's a whole range of how people are about these kinds of things for real. You know, there are mamas who were supportive and helpful and who are going to see the difference, just see the incremental difference, even though it's not perfect yet and be excited for you. There are going to be some who are going to say things like, uh, who are going to say tacky stuff, you know, um, well, but you still haven't done this, blah, blah, blah. I I get it. I mean, I don't think I even listened to this podcast, but we've got all types in my own family. I mean, there's, there's some people that I stress out 
about a lot more than others. Okay. See my family, see my house. Um, so I am, first of all, rejoice in the fact that your house looks so much better than it did before. And you can see the difference. Okay. Um, enjoy that fact. Okay. And know that you can build from there. Let that give you the, okay, it's so much better. And now it's going to be so much easier to take it to the next level of having people in. Um, anyway, uh, one of the main things I would do, if you feel like you are not seeing something, I like, if you feel like, what am I not seeing that they're going to see? I would go and stand in the places where they're going to enter your house, stand at your front door, whatever door they would come through, stand, um, in the, you know, entrance to the rooms where they're going to be and take pictures and then maybe go in your backyard, leave the house. So you kind of get this actual space out of your head a little bit and then look at the picture and see what it is that you see that you go, Oh my goodness, I'd forgotten that was there. Okay. Cause that's reality. Remember, you know, we have the whole things become invisible to us because they've been there for so, um, for so long. So, um, a couple practical things is I have answered this in, um, the how to clean a messy house podcast, um, how to clean a messy house and get it ready for guests. I have two podcasts on that, a blog post with a printable checklist. I have, um, uh, two podcasts on, you know, 14 days to getting your house ready for guests. I have an ebook you can get that has all the printables and printed out and blah, 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 whatever the worksheets workbook on that. Um, So all of those things are available. Okay. But we're going to go through the basics and we're going to go through the mindsets. Okay. So the basics are, um, remember to focus on the areas that they're going to see and, and you may need to control the areas that they're going to see. Okay. Um, it's different with different types of people. If there's kids, obviously they're going to see different spaces. Um, but you know, really focus on, those areas, you know, we're going to bring them into our living room. We're going to bring them into the kitchen, whatever. Um, and know that you can control that. If let's say that you do need to have somebody over, let's say, um, I think one of the examples was a friend coming in town that she hadn't seen in a long time and wanting to bring this person in the house. Well, that's their goal is to see you. Okay. And maybe you can't get the whole house together and perfect. But if you're going to make the goal that you're going to stay in the living room, I mean, you're not going to be able to blindfold them from the front door to the living room. Okay. So you're going to do your best, but the main thing is we're going to sit and talk in the living room. I'm going to really put a ton of effort into the living room. Do you need to have the other spaces that they're going to see as well? You're going to focus on that. Yes, of course you do. But knowing that this is going to be my main thing so that our main time to be together and talk to each other won't have distractions of things around it. Okay. Um, also realistically, you need to know how much warning you're going to have. I am just a firm believer that, you don't give a lot of warning. You shouldn't have a lot of expectations on somebody's house. Okay. Um, that that's just, you know, reality. The more warning you have, the more you can work hard on it. And that's what those, um, the post and the podcasts and all that kind of stuff about how to clean your messy house that does talk through. How do you actually go through this entire process? All right. Um, but as far as a mindset, letting yourself know that, it's okay to let them in when it's not perfect. It's okay. Do I want to do as much as I possibly can to make it a comfortable visit where we can focus on each other and not on the house and the frustrations and the things that I didn't get done? Yes, of course. But you can only do what you can do and you need to focus on the people. Okay. Cause people are what matter over everything. And which is worse to say, I'm sorry, you can't come into my home or to say, I'm sorry, my home, home is messy, but come on in. You know, I mean, like, you know, and, and maybe you have different answers <laughs> for different situations and different people. But anyway, um, remembering that 
this is the beauty of decluttering. So the reality is dust is going to fall. Dog hair is going to shed. Um, I'm looking around my own house right now as I say these things, uh, you know, clutter, you know, small daily things are going to, um, you know, end up on the, I have a shopping bag on my recliner right now and a sweatshirt and a dog toy in the floor and a pair of shoes on the floor. You know what I mean? Like these things are going to happen, but actual decluttering, like getting stuff out that is just in here and doesn't have a home and doesn't deserve to be in this space. The more you declutter, the more you're going, the more quickly you're going to be able to get it ready to have people in. So don't discount decluttering. If you're thinking, okay, well, if people are going to come over, I've got to, you know, dust and vacuum. Well, if they, if you come out, if they come over and you've dusted over piles of clutter, then they're probably not going to notice that you dusted. Do you know what I mean? So focusing on decluttering consistently and getting stuff out specifically of living areas where people are going to see, um, first of all, it's going to make dusting and vacuuming make such a bigger impact. It's going to make them so much easier and quicker to do. And by definition, your house is going to seem cleaner, going to feel cleaner, be cleaner, honestly, if you don't have the clutter in those living areas. Okay. So really focusing on decluttering the living areas that is going to make all of this so much easier. Um, and then, you know, the whole, just making a choice of how open you need to be. Okay. And how vulnerable you need to be. Now I'm going to tell you that not everybody deserves your openness and your vulnerability. Even I, who have the validation of a website that has a whole lot of thousands and thousands of people who follow it and who's written books that actual publishers have published and put in bookstores and blah, blah, blah. I have a lot of validation and yet I still am cautious about how vulnerable I am with some people because there are some people who don't know how to accept that vulnerability. Now, I make it a point to be vulnerable first, but I do it incrementally. Okay. I don't just lay it all out. Hey, guess what? I'm a slob. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm a slob. (laughs) I don't do that. All right. But if things come up in conversation, I will, you know, be open about something and see how they respond to that. You know, so I think sometimes it's who are these people that you're letting in? Are these friends who know you and know your heart? Because remember, knowing someone's heart changes our visual perception of them and of their home. I mean, how I have heard so many stories of people saying, you know, in reality, I've had some of my best favorite, most cozy, loving times in someone's home that was a total mess, but they were open and welcoming. Okay. So I think it's how much are, is your house at a point where you are going to be able to relax? Are they going to judge? I don't know. That's not something you can control, but how willing are you to be vulnerable? Okay. Um, focus on the people focus on their need. Do they need, you know, would you be able to relax and have more fun with them by going to a restaurant and not having to worry about this? Or, I mean, I know this is not the answer that I probably should give, but I'm just saying if, if your goal is to connect with people, think about where am I going to be able to connect with the most? Am I going to be able to let this go and do this? Um, you know, and maybe practice it on the most safe person that you have. You know, who is the most safe of all of these people that you're envisioning? Who's the one that you feel like is the least judgmental? Who's the one that you've been able to mention that you listen to this podcast? (laughs) You know, I mean, who is it? And let them come in and see their reaction and maybe even ask them if they're that close of a friend. Um, But, you know, give yourself some practice with the people that feel the safest. Um, 
because connection is the most important thing. Impressing them, not the most important thing. And usually if your goal is to impress somebody, you're going to end up being disappointed. And when you feel disappointed because you didn't impress them the way that you wanted to impress them, then you're frustrated and you haven't enjoyed it. And they're not going to enjoy it when you're just trying to impress them and not connect with them. Okay. So I will say, you know, whatever you need to do to let people in being, you know, pacing yourself, bringing in the most understanding person first, whatever, give it a try, you know, put something on the calendar for somebody. And then if you need to apologize for your home, go ahead and apologize for your home. I mean, there's part of me that says, don't apologize. And maybe you shouldn't. But if, if you feel like I'm, I can't let them in unless I do, then go ahead and do it. Do you know what I mean? Like the goal is to get them in the house. I feel like I'm saying all the things around and I'm kind of contradicting, contradicting myself, but I guess my, I'm coming down to the heart of how are you going to connect with these people? What's it going to take for you to be able to let go of this issue of your house and connect with these people? Okay. But along with that, sometimes the thing that will allow you to let go is following the how to clean a messy house checklist. You know, I mean like, because you're like, okay, well, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I know I've checked everything off. I don't feel confident that I can, you know, tell the difference between what's good enough and what's not, but I know I've checked everything off. And so, okay, yes, I'm going to let that go. Or, um, you know, here's some things to, you know, to really focus on throw away trash, be ruthless about trash in these areas that people are going to see. And, um, you know, we're we're not talking about worrying about somebody coming in and giving the white glove treatment. Right. I mean, we all know that, right. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the, you know, great grandmother who comes in and finds dust on this obscure thing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about those of us who have really, truly struggled in our house. So Go through all the areas where they're going to be and be ruthless, searching and looking for anything that's trash. Look for anything that's easy, meaning it belongs someone else, somewhere else and doesn't even require any kind of decision making, no questions to ask. Just go ahead and take those things to where they go. Okay. So you're getting stuff out of this area is that, um, you know, you've decluttered and you've been decluttering, or maybe you haven't, maybe you're new to this, but getting stuff out of there that doesn't need to be in there significantly improves the look of a space and the comfort level of a space. Um, are there going to be the spaces in your home to do the things that you need to do? Um, clear the table, you know, don't, don't expect somebody to come in for dinner and the table is piled high you know, that would be the focus is clearing the table. I mean, unless they desperately need a place to come in and then you just bring them on in and you say, okay, well, help me clear the table so we can have dinner. I don't know. I see it's, it's such a hard thing because the focus has to be on the other person, but I also acknowledge the, what is it that I need to do? Please just tell me. So clear the table, clean the kitchen. If somebody's going to eat in your home, the kitchen needs to be a major, major focus. Okay. Wiped counters, no dirty dishes, clean floors, and no dirty dishes might mean that you stick dirty dishes in a box and put them in the garage or whatever. Um, you know, cleaning the floors, that focusing on that area, if they're going to eat, you want them to be comfortable in that, um, space. Um, another way to make a kitchen feel even cleaner is to, you know, take the things that sit out on the counter all the time and take those off and put them away so that they're not going to be seen. That will significantly improve the feeling of a kitchen being under control. And when people feel like the kitchen's clean, then they can relax a whole lot more. Um, you know, in the living areas, um, you know, no laundry recliners, clean laundry recliners, um, any kind of procrastinate clutter, you know, and that doesn't mean that you can't have, Oh, we've been working on this puzzle and here's a table with it on it, but it, you know, that's fine. I mean, people want to come in, they get to see how you live and they get to see that y'all are into this kind of stuff. But, um, if you, um, but you know, focusing on what are the things that 
are really just procrastinate clutter? What are the things that are in here that I've just been putting off and they've become invisible to me that I need to focus on getting, you know, out of here. And then the other thing is clean your bathroom real, real hard. I mean, the one that they're going to go to or the two that they might go to, you don't need to clean the master bathroom if you can keep them out of there. Um, but clean those hard because people want a clean bathroom, you know, so focusing in on those things hopefully is what would be helpful. Okay. I have another question kind of along these mindset issue, um, type things that I'm going to get into a minute, kind of about gender and, all that. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a minute. But before I do that, I want to talk about our second sponsor who is Handy. Handy is the easy and convenient way to book home cleanings on a schedule that works for you right from the app or the website. Compare profiles and read real customer reviews to find the perfect pro for your needs. All pros on Handy are background checked. Learn more at handy.com. All of Handy's services are backed by the Handy Happen mm, the Handy Happiness Guarantee. Say that ten times. With Handy's clear upfront pricing, what you see is what you pay, and you can pay securely on the app, so you don't have to worry about cash or checks. Here's how it works: You enter the number of bedrooms and bathrooms in your home, and you pick the date and time you'd like your home cleaned. Share your cleaning priorities so your pro knows what is most important to you. Handy will match you with one of their top rated pros, or you can read real customer reviews and select the pro you'd like to hire. If you loved your cleaner, add them to your pro team and use them for future bookings. I had a chance to book a cleaning through Handy, which was lovely, and the booking process was super easy. The app made it simple to communicate with my cleaner, which I loved. I especially liked knowing exactly when she was going to arrive. She got lost on the way to my house like it didn't put her much behind, but she was able to communicate with me through the app to let me know exactly what was going on. So there wasn't any like, Oh, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I knew exactly what was going on. I had my kitchen, living areas, bedrooms, and bathrooms cleaned, and she did a great job to get your first three hour cleaning for $39. When you sign up for a plan, visit handy.com slash slob and use promo code slob s-l-o-b during checkout recurring charge terms and conditions apply visit handy.com to learn more again to get your first three hour cleaning for $39 when you sign up for a plan visit handy.com slash slob and use promo code slob during checkout recurring charge terms and conditions apply visit handy.com to learn more okay handy.com slash slob yeah anyway all right so here we go here's this one which is again, more of a psychological issue. And I am not a mental health professional and I don't pretend to be one, but we're going to talk about it anyway. All right. So here we go. Here's the email that I got from one of you. It drives me nuts. This is the person talking, but I totally understand this. When people assume that I'm neat and tidy because I am female and that my husband is a slob because he is male. We break these gender stereotypes all over the place in my home. I happen to be married to an unusually orderly and neat male. When women want to bond over housekeeping stuff, it makes me want to close the door on that friendship. For example... A new friend gave me a ride in her car and casually said something like, you are so lucky. I almost had to take my husband's car. I don't know how he can stand to have all that stuff on the floor. It drives me nuts. Husbands can be such slobs. I think I was at a loss for words. I didn't want to pretend that I was neat, but I also didn't feel safe sharing that I'm actually the slob one in my marriage. It's easy for me to feel like I can't be friends with uber tidy women because it is hard for me to relate to their struggles and I'm afraid it will be hard for them to relate to mine. Also, I don't want to accidentally discuss them and I'm sure they don't want to be disgusted. Any tips for gracefully yet candidly navigating conversations that make these gender slob assumptions? What helps you with your friendships with normal friends? Um, okay. So the first thing I want to say is this is what this sounds like is opening conversations and meaning first level, top level, not top level isn't great, but like surface level conversations, um, that you have as you're trying to get to know people. Okay. So I'm going to give you some ways to just kind of answer and move on. Okay. Because the reality is those of us who know that this is a huge struggle, 
know that we only share the huge struggle aspect of it with people we feel safe with, which are real friends, which are not the friends that you're meeting on the surface level the first time. Okay. Um, the problem is not that they're judging people who aren't like them. It's simply that they're trying to find a common ground and, a lo- and housekeeping isn't fun except for the rare few, but it's not fun. And it can be a frustration, um, in different areas. So that it's a way that people are trying to just have a conversation. Okay. They're trying to relate to people and they just kind of assume that everybody has this same, you know, experience. And we're all guilty of that in some way, right? I mean, I feel like I'm fairly decent a lot of times at kind of thinking through, oh wait, my experience is probably different than some other people's. And yet I still do it. I still say things sometimes and then look back and go, that was so dumb to say. Why would I have assumed that this person had experienced whatever? You know I mean? Like that's just reality. We all do that. So knowing that the, the heart is for them to connect with you again and, and, and trying to acknowledge that Although I also acknowledge how incredibly frustrating it is to be the one who feels like, okay, I can't relate and maybe we can't be friends. Okay. But you can be friends with somebody without housekeeping being the main thing that you talk about. Right. Okay. So, um, I also want to acknowledge that the gender issue is real. Okay. Um, assumptions are, are the issue here. Okay. Um, I, and the, when I say that, here's what I mean. So I had a, um, a minor complaint on Goodreads. It was, um, about one of my books. I don't remember which one. And, um, the, the person was actually very complimentary of the book. Oh, I really, really liked it, but I didn't like the assumption of gender roles. And I'm like, huh, because I'm just talking to the person reading the book. All of the experiences are mine. They're based on my experiences and I'm female but I don't ever say in there, well, the woman needs to do this and the woman needs to do that. I say, you need to do this. And you is the person reading the book. Now, the reality is the most, the majority of people who read my book are females, although there are plenty of males too. But, you know, I, I think that this whole gender issue, you know, it, it can be one that becomes an issue when it's not an issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel pretty confident that I am, that that's not realistic to say that my books say that women have to do all this work, like at all. Like that's, that's not what's going on here. However, um, how do I, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to say this. However, you have to do it. Like whoever you are, if you're the one who wants this done, you have to do it. And because everybody's natural tendency is to be like, well, I shouldn't have to be the only one who does this. Then it somehow turns into a gender issue. Does that make sense? I don't know. Not saying that traditionally it hasn't been a gender issue. It absolutely has. There were unrealistic expectations placed upon women, but whatever. Um, okay. So, you know, I am, I am a woman, I have to take responsibility and I can't blame my husband. I'm not saying that that is because I'm a woman. I'm saying it's because I'm me and I can't blame anybody else. I can only focus on myself. Okay. So, um, ways to, oh, and then something else too. And I am not going to start talking about the Enneagram because I'll just be honest. Um, I get super tired of, of podcasters talking about the Enneagram because I'm like, oh my word. Cause for the longest time I had never even like, I just didn't even want to take the test. I'm like, I'm me and you can't tell me anything about me because I have issues anyway. Um, but if you don't know what it is, it's a personality test and it has like these numbers one through nine anyway, whatever. So my friend, Emily from the struggle well project, whose podcast I will be on next week. But anyway, um, she, when we went on a podcasting retreat together, we had like a three hour drive for a drive, something like that. And so on the way home, she like asked me all the questions and made me take the test. And Um, 
I'm a five, which I don't know if I am a five or not. I don't know. I I've read a little bit about it, but I haven't read a ton, but there is enough that I go, Oh yeah, that really does describe me. But then there's some other things about it that I'm like, really? What? Um, anyway, but what's funny is she, she was like, Oh, I've never known a five. I don't have any friends who are fives. That's weird. And so I'm, you know, there's part of me that's like, Oh good. That means I'm rare. Um, anyway, whatever. So I look it up and I looked up something about, cause only times I would hear somebody mention being a five, they were a man. And I looked it up and, um, it said, you know, I said, is Enneagram five rare or something like that? And the only thing I could find was that Enneagram fives, um, is rare in women, but one of the most common numbers for men. And I thought, huh, interesting because there are times I'm just going to be real honest. You know, this whole assumption that this person's friend had of women are neat and men are messy has often made me go, okay, what's wrong with me? Because I mean, I'm great with being a woman. That's great. You know? And yet this thing that seems to be easy, you know, and I'm doing air quotes right now for women, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, supposedly it's supposed to be easy for women to keep their house under control. And that's supposed to come naturally to them. And it doesn't to me, I'm like, okay, what is wrong with me? You know, that's where this whole thing works. But I I think we have proven as a community of 200,000 people that, um, that's not true. You know, that there are plenty of women who do this, but I think who struggle like this, but I think because it is so often associated with gender, you know, women are supposed to be good at it. Men are not supposed to be that or that men aren't, you know, we all know people that that's not true for, but that's part of where this issue comes in is like, oh, I'm not meeting what everybody assumes I should be. That's supposed to be easy, whatever. Anyway, so here's some ways that I, um, here's some ways that I answer these kind of questions, you know, like if somebody or these kind of conversations is a lot of times laughing is my number one defense mechanism, because if I laugh, then they know we're not having a deep heart to heart right here. Okay. And laughter can often end an uncomfortable conversation. (laughs) Um, I mean, like really, it's amazing how people will be like, "Uh Oh, even if it catches them off guard, you're like, I don't take this too seriously. I'm not going to launch into some big, long monologue about who I am and, and I, I'm okay being me and you shouldn't expect me as a woman to have to do I'm like, no, I'm just gonna laugh. (laughs) And I'll say something like, Oh, I'm the messy one in my house. I mean, you've said everything without, I mean, there's not really much else to say, right? I mean, if they want to talk about it, you could say, do you really want to know? Oh, it's always been a struggle for me. You know, most of the time when you admit a struggle, I'm not going to say all the time because I can't guarantee people's reactions, but most of the time people are, oh, okay. You know, like just admitting that something is a struggle and not defending yourself. I think when you get into a defensive mode, then you've got offending and defending. Okay. So let's go into acting strategy here. All right. Um, defending yourself is a doable verb. Okay. It's something that you, in a scene, you know, you want to find something that you actively do that causes a reaction from someone else, you know, like something to accomplish. If I'm going to defend myself, there's an end result of this. Okay. Admitting I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, okay, could admitting be a doable verb or not? Whatever. That's not the point, but admitting it's one and done. There's nothing for me to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm, I've admitted it and it's like, okay, this is over. You know, like how many times have you thought of something in your head? Maybe no one else does this, but I know you do. But you come up with this long speech that I am going to tell so-and-so this, 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 and this, and I'm going to say this. And then, you know, and then you get ready and you start to say it and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, I have nothing else to say. It doesn't really make sense for me to go into my long speech anymore because they just, (laughs) you're right. Oh, 
you know, so just saying, yeah, this is a real struggle. I'm the messy one in our house. (laughs) Uh, Let them imagine what that desert doesn't mean. Okay. Um, you don't have to go into, oh, and I know, and I, sometimes I don't do my dishes and blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into that. Okay. Um, let's say the conversation continues. Then you can go into a little more detail without going into detail. Like, let's say they said, what? Oh, surely you're not messy. No, really I am. I don't like it, but I try hard and I give myself grace because I know it's related to my creative brain. Okay. If I say I don't like it, then there's no need for them to convince me that this is bad. That's where I've had a lot of hurt feelings is when somebody feels this need to explain to me why being messy is not a good thing. So if I can just go ahead and say it before they can and say, you know, I don't like it, but I try hard. So I'm, I'm saying that I'm doing it. Okay. I'm not saying that I've given up. Okay. So I've I've kind of covered all these little things here and give myself grace because I know it's related to my creative brain and see, here's the beauty of it. That's a humble brag, right? Because if I can say, I know it's related to my creative brain, I've basically said, I admit it. I admit the problem. I'm working on it. I'm not accepting it and giving up. I'm working on it. And I know that, you know, there's a real reason and it's because I'm creative, (laughs) Um, you know, and then they get to wonder inside their head, well, am I not creative because I'm not messy, but you don't have to have that conversation. Okay. It's just a way to kind of stop the conversation. That's what we're doing here. Right. Was that tacky of me? I'm sorry. But the goal here is to, to stop the conversation because you don't want to get into it with somebody who's not safe. Now, at some point, if somebody's, you know, if they keep on going, then you can say, you know what? This is a real struggle. I'm really working on it, but I'm not really ready to talk about it. So can we change the subject? I'm, you know, I have some issues with bluntness. Maybe that's an Enneagram five thing, but I don't care if it is or not. I don't know. Um, but really though, I mean, you know, just if, if they won't let it go, can we change the subject? This is something I'm really working on and I have some strategies that I'm, I'm trying. Okay. Other thing you can say, is, have you heard of Dana White? Have you heard of Dana K. White? And then start talking about the books and start talking about the podcast and start talking about the things that you've learned, maybe that are either funny or helpful or whatever, or even just, you know, by saying there are books on this subject that I can relate to, just that simple fact gives some validity to your issue that may not be an issue for them that they may have never considered as an issue for other people. Does that make sense? So if in their mind, they're like, what's wrong with you? No, no, you just do this. This Well, there's books on it. There's books on how it's not as easy as you're saying. Okay. You know, I mean, like that's kind of a way to push it off onto something else and then always go with, you know, if they won't let it go, um, let's talk about something else. Okay. Thanks. Um, let's see. Another thing to remember, safe people take time to be safe. Okay. You're going to find people that are safe to have this conversation with, but, um, if this is your big struggle and it makes, you know, they're going to be willing to talk about other things first. There are people, I have met people who really want to solve all my problems in the first conversation that, that, that we have, if they somehow find out my issues. However, um, they may not be the safe person and they may be the one that you need to veer hard and change the subject. Okay. And maybe you can talk about some other safer subjects. Let's talk about, um, feeding your family. Let's talk about that. You know, or just whatever, come up with, you know, well, let's talk about, uh, how often do you guys eat out? How do you budget for, um, school supplies? I don't know. You know, just come up with some subject changes that you can then get to know them on a level, you know, get through that surface level, getting to know each other to get to the point where you realize, are you a safe person for me to talk about this with or not? Um, you can get to know somebody pretty well without them knowing all of your cleaning and organizing struggles. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, Another thing to focus, as I kind of said before, but you know, I'm working hard. I'm really working hard on my house right now. 
you know, that can mean a whole lot of different things. And to some people, it might mean that you're redecorating. Um, You don't have to tell them that's not what you mean. I'm working really hard on my house right now, you know, and just kind of say that again until you can change the subject. Um, But I know this is a conversation that's very frustrating. I generally, when I'm in a group and this comes up because strangely it comes up way too often, really, it honestly gets on my nerves that this is the thing people like to talk about in a conversation with a group of people who don't really know each other. Um, but you know what, once I get to know each other, get to know people more, it's not the conversation that comes up. It's tends to be one of those surface level things. So, you know, ask some other questions. Hey, tell me, um, tell me how you, you know, met your husband or how many times did you move as a child or how, um, you know, what was your, um, I don't know, what's the best gift you've ever given someone or whatever. I don't know, but just, you know, be that person who, initiates conversation and changes it. So come up with some interesting conversation strategies that you can, you know, redirect these with. And remember to, you know, when I'm in those group conversations, I usually keep my mouth shut. Now I am in this weird position that people, a lot of people do know I've written these books. Um, and so I don't also don't want to be like, well, let me solve all y'all's problems real quick. I don't want to be that person. So I generally keep my mouth shut. But the other thing to remember is in these moments, change the conversation if you find out that somebody is not a safe friend and is just probably not someone you're ever going to be able to be open and honest about this with, remember us, remember this community, remember a slob comes clean, gets a whole lot of podcast listens every week and lots and lots of people have the book and are on the Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. And I don't say that like, look guys, look what all I've done. I'm just saying the same thing that happened to me in the beginning of what I'm not the only one and how helpful that was to me focus on that. Remember, you are not a freak. You may feel like it because there are other people out there who can't even imagine being honest about their home. Okay. And just kind of try to echo what anybody else says. Um, but yeah. Okay. So remember that this is a legit problem. I'm validating that you are not the only one and you have a legitimate problem. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have an extra challenge in this area and you, I guarantee you, you've got other areas of your life where you are rocking and those people would probably feel insecure too. Okay. So the goal is not to make them feel insecure. Although that my creative brain comment was, I don't know, maybe that was tacky anyway. Um, and then just again, laugh, just laugh a lot. All right. Okay. I'm going to end there. I hope that made any sense. I hope, um, I would love to hear from you guys. Oh my word. I've talked for 52 minutes. That's bananas. That is crazy. I'm sorry, y'all. Anyway, um, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, some of your strategies for conversation changers that, um, if you need to redirect a conversation like this, let me know. Um, also don't forget that we have our Patreon community, um, P A T R E O N dot com slash a slob comes clean. You can join there at the people who join as a patron at the $5 a month level, which means that you're supporting the show. Um, can also get an invitation into the super secret Facebook group, which is a lovely community of people who support each other. And it's a safe place to be you and struggle and work on all these issues. So anyway, um, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.